Welcome to the Liberty Leadership in Lies with Larry Linton podcast. For those of you who are new listeners, this podcast will be about exactly what the title implies. We will discuss the state of liberty in our republic today and how it is being eroded by the very institution that was created by our founding fathers to protect it, which is the government that now hates us. We'll also discuss the many different types and styles of leadership that exist today, but more frequently we'll talk about how our republic is best served by true servant leadership in elected office. On the topic of lies, we will discuss the many pervasive lies that are told in society today, and not only by our government, but their willing partners in the news media, social media, and tech sectors. These lies, they're designed to rob us of our liberty and destroy our trust in and reliance on the founding principles of our nation and its constitution. I will also use a portion of each episode to discuss my election campaign to represent Tennessee's House of Representatives, District 12. And what I hope to accomplish with my campaign is just basically a couple of things. I want to bring to Nashville an example of what following an oath to the Constitution looks like. And this is based upon my 30 years of service to our nation in the United States Navy. Additionally, once I am in Nashville, I would like to restore the state's role as the creator of and the parent to the federal government. What a lot of people don't realize is that our federal government is not a party to our Constitution, but it is a product of the Constitution. And this Constitution is a charter between all of the states that empowers the federal government with certain and extremely limited powers, such as providing for the common defense and to regulate trade. We can also discuss any tactics or techniques the listeners may have in the fight to restore our nation's founding principles when engaging with what has apparently become the people's enemy over the course of generations now, and that is the government that, one, hates us, and two, only sees us as the means to obtain and maintain power. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. You can also subscribe to my blog there at the website. Additionally, even at the website, you can contribute to my campaign. You can find the podcast and the campaign on social media. Just search for Larry for TN12 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the campaign info and Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Lynn for the podcast social media pages. I'm also on Telegram as Liberty Leadership and Lies. I will be recording the show either from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee, or on remote locations where my consulting business or election campaign takes me. Welcome back to another episode, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, please like and follow this podcast and my campaign on all our social media pages as well as the website of LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. I believe that I've worked out all the kinks I've encountered with the site that hosts this podcast, Anchor, and you can visit the site and become a sponsor of the podcast as well. Listener support has been enabled again. Just head on over to Anchor.fm, search for Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linden, and click the support button. Every little bit of support helps to keep the show up and running. This week, I'm coming to you from the Permian Basin. There's not much that I can do about the recording quality in this location. The setup with regards to background noise and acoustics is very spartan. I cannot wait to start recording in the redesigned Goat Locker Studio with video here in the near future. But let's get back to the episode. And I must tell you that I was originally going to go in a different direction on this week's topic of liberty. 
People fighting against the machines that are big government, big tech, and the legacy news media, as well as social media. And I will get to those machines in a little bit. But there's another machine out there that we have discussed quite frequently on this show. And that machine is made up of the major political parties. It is one of the contributing factors to my decision to run as an independent. But I hope you can remember back to the show when we talked about President Washington's warning about political parties. On episode 45, I read to you what the first prison of our nation had to say about them. Now, more than 200 years later, we can actually see the truth behind his warning. So, with that, some information came to light that aligned with some other conversations that I have been having lately. And it is about people fighting against the political party machines. And it all ties in with the trans-publican party here in Tennessee. We've talked about those elected trans-publicans and how they supposedly handled the Biden administration's relocating illegal immigrants into our state. In light of that, and other failings by our supermajority of supposed Republicans, comes more news. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I have to break in here with some replacement audio for the podcast. By the request of my fellow patriot, conservative constitutionalist, and servant leader, I have removed a portion of the podcast that discusses the individual's name and the office they are seeking that I was going to discuss for the opening portion of this week's episode. The candidate felt that it might hurt their chances, through retribution, of receiving the Republican Party's backing and seeking elected office in the campaign the individual was entering into. I hope to air the original recording here sometime in the near future just to be able to point out the hypocrisy of the Tennessee Republican Party. Many of you have heard the issues I have with the state's GOP. The case I was going to speak about hit right at the heart of the matter. So we'll pick up with the episode after I complete my remarks about my friend's situation with the state's Republican Party. Here we go. Before we move on to some more about the Tennessee Republican Party, I have to let you know about an event tomorrow here in Sevierville. Tomorrow, Thursday evening, the Constitutional Conservatives of Tennessee will be holding their monthly meeting. As usual, the meeting will take place at 6 p.m. in the third floor meeting room of the Sevier County Courthouse. Attendees tomorrow will have an opportunity to hear from another one of the great speakers this group of patriots hosts at their meetings. Pastor Jack Maines will be speaking, and he will discuss addressing current issues while applying biblical principles. Pastor Jack received his Bachelor of Arts in New Testament Greek from Union University. Additionally, he received his Master of Divinity degree from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is a graduate of the U.S. Army Chaplain School and is a member of the International Conference of Police Chaplains. Also, he serves as a chaplain of the Sevier County Sheriff's Department. During the Desert Storm Gulf War, he served as a death notification chaplain. Upon leaving the military, he was an owner of a local state farm agency for 36 years. He currently serves as the pastor of Foothills Baptist Church. The Constitutional Conservatives of Tennessee are proud to continue to present a broad spectrum of excellent speakers and programs for the citizens of Sevier County. This organization continues to speak out against those who attack the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence. And you know, all of their meetings are open to the public, so if you attend them, be sure to sign up to receive their emails. And then once you get them, forward them to your friends with an invitation to join you at the next meeting. All right, let's get back to the Tennessee Republican Party. Let me ask you all this question. Has the Republican Party of Tennessee done anything to hold currently elected Republicans accountable 
for proposing legislation or not backing legislation that is in line with the party's platform? There are numerous examples out there for us to look to as well, where the supermajority of Republicans in our General Assembly weaken or water down true constitutional conservative legislation. The COVID omnibus bills out of the special session last year are great examples where the General Assembly did not protect federalism and states' rights, where they did not stand in the gap between an overreaching federal government and the citizens of Tennessee. Sure, there was some posturing with joint resolutions, but those do not have the force of law. In fact, in some of the legislation they did pass, they created two separate classes of citizens here in our great state. Is that the new Tennessee Republican Party platform? Where one set of protections for residents who don't work in the healthcare system or that work for the federal government contractors or that work for a company that has contracts with the federal government and no protections of your self-evident, unalienable, God-given rights if you do work there? How about granting emergency powers to the governor that allowed him to deprive citizens of their liberty without due process of law, which is blatantly unconstitutional? Executive orders like those that shut down businesses or determine who is or who isn't an essential worker? That definitely sounds like the party that has been following their bylaws, right? This comes from their bylaws. Article 8, Section 1. County parties shall exist to promote Republican ideals and values, and all Republican elected officials across Tennessee while, at the same time, nominating Republican candidates for public office and helping all Republican nominees defeat Democrats in general elections. If the party is not allowing a candidate to run as a Republican because they had not been a resident of this state long enough, are they really nominating Republican candidates that can defeat Democrats? Or are they keeping people out of the primary system in order to protect an incumbent? Then there's this from the National Republican Party platform on page 23, quote, Making government work for the people. Founding father and constitutional framer James Madison declared that in America, the people are the masters of government. Unquote. Apparently, this is only partly true. I think the Tennessee Republican Party should change it to match what they do and have it read, only the people we approve of are masters of the government. Also, from the National Party's platform, it talks about crony capitalism and corporate welfare. It states, quote, cronyism is inherent in the progressive vision of the administrative state, unquote. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is cronyism in capitalism, and there is also cronyism in political parties. This cronyism in political parties has got us to where we are today with both of those parties. Elements of the political parties work in concert with their partners in the legacy news media, social media, and big tech to not only control the narrative, but they use their preferred elected officials to pass their legislative agenda, all of which is designed to increase their power and reduce our liberty. I'll quote George Washington again here when he described what the political parties will do. Quote, They are likely, in the course of time and things, to become potent engines by which cunning ambitious and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government. Unquote. We, you and I, we need to open people's eyes to the truth behind President Washington's words. 
They are coming to life all around us. These political parties, along with their allies in big government, big tech, legacy news media, and social media machines, have subverted the power of the people and usurped for themselves the reins of government. We have to support those patriots that have chosen to take a stand in the arena against those machines. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I have to break in here with some more replacement audio for the podcast. I was speaking about the candidate again, and I do not want to release their name just yet. But as I was saying, patriots, much like myself, all over the volunteer state that have decided to make Tennessee their home and work to ensure that what happened in the states we lived in prior to do not take a solid foothold here. But believe me, it's already happening. Like myself, there are many patriots that are aware of the issues and creeping socialism that is infesting both political parties. And while we may not originally be from Tennessee, we dang sure did get here as fast as we could. Like I've told the audience before, I purchased my home here in Sevierville before I had even officially retired from the Navy. My wife and I had always planned to retire to this great state since early on in our marriage. Let's keep this in mind always. This creeping socialism, this creeping communism, it isn't the opposition party that is doing it alone. It is rhinos, or like I call them, transpublicans. They are traitors to the actual Republican Party platform that have achieved high levels of authority within the party. They are traitors to the founding principles and the founding documents of our constitutional republic. They hate the Constitution because it places limits on their power grabs. But they have been very effective in breaking it down ever since the ratification, the unconstitutional ratification of the 16th Amendment in February of 1913. Also, with the beginning of the end of federalism with the passage of the 17th Amendment in May of 1913. It's funny how those two amendments came so close together. We can look back to history and confidently say that 1913 was the beginning of the end of this constitutional republic, if we don't do anything about it. So, this will not be a full 30-minute episode, but an important one to listen to nonetheless. As I mentioned earlier, I hope to air the portion that had my endorsement of a wonderful patriot, a great conservative constitutionalist and servant leader. As soon as I get the go-ahead to release the comments from the candidate, I will do so as a special episode. We'll now return to the originally recorded episode. And even though I am not running as a Republican, my principles align more closely with that party than the party of the Communists, which is the Democrat Party, But I encourage all of you to go ahead and read the National Republican Party's platform. I'll even post a copy of it on the website and put a link to it on the social media pages. Read it. And then ask yourselves if the Republican members of our General Assembly are actually living, and more importantly, voting, based upon those stated positions or principles. Along those lines, I hope you've all had a chance to watch a video that I shared on social media on Monday. If not, go to the website and social media pages. I put the link there to the video and the proposed legislation mentioned in the video. The legislation is House Bill 2588, along with its companion bill in the Senate, SB 2686. All of you that are listeners to this podcast and that live in Tennessee need to call 
and email the subcommittee members to ensure this bill makes it out of subcommittee. Right now, it is assigned to the Public Service Subcommittee of the State Government Committee. The chair of the subcommittee is Representative Esther Helton, a Republican, well, maybe, and her office can be reached at 615-741-1934. Other subcommittee members are Representative Rebecca Alexander, Republican or Transpublican, and her office can be reached at 615-741-2251. And then there's Representative Darren Jernigan, a member of the Democrat, I mean, Communist Party, and his office can be reached at 615-741-6959. There's Representative Curtis Johnson, who's listed as a Republican, we don't know, and his office can be reached at 615-741-4341. There's a Representative Kelly Keesling, another one that's listed as a Republican, and his office can be reached by calling 615-741-6852. Then there is Representative Pat Marsh, who calls himself a Republican as well, and his office number is 615-741-6824. And finally, there is another Democrat representative, John Mark Wendell, and he can be reached at 615-741-1260. So you can see that this subcommittee consists of five representatives that say they are members of the Republican Party, and then the two members of the Communist Party. Again, it's a supermajority. But I urge you, call all of them and politely encourage them to pass this bill out of subcommittee. Politely ask them if they have the courage to do that. Then you can also remind them of some of the facts already in evidence around the nation, as well as here in Tennessee, and we'll cover those in a bit. Basically, though, this bill, it establishes a process by which the governor may nullify, key word in that bill there, nullify. Anyway, the bill would allow or provide the governor a process to nullify a federal law, rule, or executive order for the purposes of rendering such law, rule, or order unenforceable in this state. Interesting that this bill would be introduced now, after all the poop that came out of Washington, D.C. over the course of this pandemic. We've talked about nullification many times on this podcast before. It is a tool that Thomas Jefferson, you know that guy, the one that's the author of the Declaration of Independence and a mentor to the father of the Constitution, yeah, that guy. Thomas Jefferson stated in 1799 when discussing the Kentucky Resolution that nullification is the rightful remedy against infractions against the Constitution. And the Kentucky Resolution came a year after the Virginia Resolution. The Kentucky Resolution of 1799 added that when the states determine that a law is unconstitutional, nullification by the states is the proper remedy. The Virginia Resolutions of 1798 refer to nullification as interposition, which expresses the idea that the states have a right to interpose to prevent harm caused by unconstitutional laws. When discussing all this, Thomas Jefferson also wrote, quote, Whensoever the general government assumes undelegated powers, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force, unquote. Those undelegated powers are any laws that fall outside of Article I, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution. Our state legislative branches are the ones that are supposed to stand in the gap between us and an overreaching federal government. So, if you watched that video I shared on social media, Attorney Jeffrey Cobble brought up an interesting point. Again, if you haven't watched it, please do so. Anyway, there are cries all over the country, especially from the left, that nullification is unconstitutional because it isn't mentioned in the Constitution, 
and its early attempts in our nation's history led to the Civil War. Whenever states consider nullification today, communists and trans-publicans everywhere run around like chicken little saying they can't do this because the sky will fall. Well, riddle me this. Aren't states, counties, and cities using nullification already? If you don't think they are, you would be wrong. Heck, even the federal government is using nullification on itself. Here in Tennessee, the General Assembly made an actual attempt with the legislation that used the term nullifying in it. Recently, too. It came out of the third special session and the pathetic attempts at asserting themselves as the creator and master of the federal government. But their spine disappeared, and instead of legislation, they came out with a resolution. It was Senate Joint Resolution 9005, and it stated, quote, A resolution to address the federal government's penalizing or taxation of citizens of this state through enforcement of restrictions relative to COVID-19 by supporting the challenging, condemning, and nullifying of such actions. Unquote. Big words that will not be backed up by any action, of course. Too much federal money at stake. Remember that federal money, our sweat equity, is the carrot and stick that the federal government uses to push the states around and get compliance. So our own General Assembly sent an empty threat of nullification to the federal government with its resolution, but made no effort with an actual law. Funny story about nullification in our General Assembly here. I had an opportunity to speak to a member of the General Assembly a few months ago and before the third special session convened. I specifically brought up the topic of nullification with this gentleman. He told me that he had never heard about it before, which is weird. Do you want to know why it's weird? Well, this member of the General Assembly is a lawyer by trade. And it is weird because the concept of jury nullification has long been a part of legal jurisprudence. It is a similar concept in that a jury can ignore the law and return a verdict contrary to the facts of the law in order to send a message. So, either this representative was just blowing me off, which is a very strong possibility, or he isn't a very good lawyer. Anyway, back to states, counties, and cities that are using nullification right now and have been doing so for more than three decades. We'll start with marijuana. How many states have legalized both medical or recreational use of marijuana right now? California was the first state to legalize medical marijuana. Colorado and Washington both legalized recreational marijuana back in 2012. Oregon and Alaska came in right after them in 2014. As of 2021, there are 16 states that have legalized the use of marijuana in direct contradiction to the 1970 Federal Controlled Substances Act. You know what that is called? Yep, exactly. That is nullification. The same things apply to illegal alien sanctuary states, counties, and cities. Those bodies of government are operating contrary to federal law in the area of illegal immigrants in our country. Why is it okay to not follow federal law when it comes to a controlled substance and illegal immigrants? Well, you all know the why. Because drugs and illegal aliens are the protected areas of the communists in our republic. We also cannot forget how the federal government is ignoring its own laws on illegal entry into our country. They are nullifying their own laws. 
We have a very low estimate of 14.5 million illegal immigrants in our nation right now, costing the American taxpayer an estimated $130 billion every year. That is definitely a low estimate considering this headline from the New York Times, you know, the old gray lady. Quote, illegal border crossings driven by pandemic and natural disasters soared a record high. Migrants were encountered 1.7 million times in the last 12 months, the highest number of illegal crossings recorded since at least 1960, unquote. That is a headline that was published in October of last year. That does not take into account the illegal immigrants that got away. If that is just one year of encounters, imagine how many have crossed our southern border since President Reagan signed the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986. The narrative is that only 14.5 million illegal immigrants have entered our country during the past 35 years. Do you actually believe that? Well, you can pull my other leg because it plays jingle bells. Nullification in the form of sanctuary states, counties, and cities has enabled an invasion of our southern border. So what we just discussed right there, that is some data you can provide the members of the subcommittee that might balk at the idea of nullification. States, including Tennessee, have already used it. For the most part, the communists have used it quite effectively to destroy our constitutional republic. Ask them if they will honor the Republican Party platform that states federalism is the foundation of personal liberty, that every violation of state sovereignty by federal officials is an assault on the liberties of every American. The party that claims that the states and the people retain authority over all unenumerated powers, which is exactly what the federal government does when they pass laws that do not fall within the boundaries of their Article I, Section 8 enumerated powers. That is why nullification is a necessary and vital tool the framers ensured the states had when the Tenth Amendment was added to the Constitution. Big tech, legacy media, and social media sites have their machines up and running to ensure that the truth behind nullification is well hidden. We need to fight those machines at every opportunity. And the best tool we have in that fight is the words of the Founding Fathers themselves. The words that the Republican Party often cite in their platform, yet do not hold elected officials accountable for following. The facts are on the side of conservative constitutionalists. Use them to beat back those machines. Share the facts with those who doubt the legitimacy of nullification. Share them with Republican Party officials and ask them why the elected members they support are not living up to its stated platform and principles. Ask the Republican Party why they don't hold their members accountable for failing to propose and pass true constitutional legislation. Or why they feel like they must give a little to get a little. Remember this saying always, supporting the lesser of two evils is still supporting an evil. As we always close the show, we do so with something from God's Word. This week it comes to us from Psalm 35, 1. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. We also need to fight against people, fight against the machines that work tirelessly to deny us our God-given, self-evident, unalienable rights. 
the combined machines of big government, big tech, legacy news media, social media, and the political parties are unrelenting in their fight against individual liberty. But combined, they are nothing compared to what the people, us, working together toward the common goal of a return to constitutional principles and self-governance can accomplish. They have grown strong over the past few generations, but have only done so through our own apathy. If we all shake off our apathy and take a stand in the arena together, their power and influence will be diminished forever. Now is the time. As I mentioned at the outset of this episode, please follow the campaign and podcast on social media. Also share those social media sites with your family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.